Welcome to the Valley Advocate Podcast, featuring interviews that take us deeper into the people and happenings on the local scene. For more podcasts and a closer look at what's going on in the Valley, visit us at valleyadvocate.com. Hello and welcome to the Valley Advocate Podcast. My name is Dave Eisenstatter. I'm the editor of the Valley Advocate, and I'm here with writer Pete Reddington. Just wrote a cover story for us, a loaded topic. The firearms community is active, but often hidden in the Valley. Welcome. Thanks. How are you doing? Good. Um, yeah, so this story about the firearms community in Western Massachusetts, a really interesting topic because there are a lot of gun owners in, in this area. Um, can you talk a little bit about um, how you came up with uh, with wanting to do this story? Uh, sure. Um, I guess in part I was reflecting on sort of like the overall divided cultural dynamic that we have now um, in this era, and um, I spent a, I spent a lot of time in, in the woods, as you know, either hiking or or running or cross country skiing, and come across um, you know the occasional. Um, hunter in the woods or, you know, make sure that I wear orange in the, in the fall and stuff like that. So I started thinking about, you know, the Valley being kind of a more progressive liberal area and uh, gun owners tending to be more conservative. And so what would that look like in the Valley? Um, You know, how would, what would that cross section look like in this specific area? Um, I didn't grow up using guns. Um, I have some friends who did, I used to live in Northern Vermont. So that was really the first time that I knew uh, hunters and gun owners, and um, and that sort of started to modify the way I thought about the issue. Uh, so I started to think about who they were and how they might be reflected in this area, or um, went from there. The idea behind this piece was to sort of try to do something apolitical, but it's challenging with the gun issue, right? Yeah, it's... Um, yeah, that was that was definitely a challenge. So usually politics came up in my interviews, you know, fairly, not all the time, but it came up over and over again. And I tried to kind of steer away from that, um, which was a challenging thing because the gun issue is sort of inherently political. Um, but I really wanted to steer away from, you know, who voted for whom or who identified as what party or, or what and look at it as more of just a, a cultural issue aside from politics. Mm -hmm. You spoke with Ken Wamet, the police chief in Conway, who's also involved with the Conway Sportsman's Club. Um, He was one of the people who was more outspoken. Um, You know, what did he have to say about his experience about being a gun owner and kind of of navigating some of what you were talking about earlier? Well, um, he said, the the folks that I spoke to... um, including Ken, uh, were the ones that eventually spoke to me were very happy to speak. Um, and he certainly was as well. And he really, um, he had a, a view that, um, that's, you know, one of the questions I asked people was what stereotypes exist of uh, gun owners in the fire, firearms community and how are those stereotypes accurate or inaccurate? And he, he really um, stressed that there's no... Um, you don't know who's a gun owner just by looking at them or who's not a gun owner just by looking at them. And that, you know, the people in the professional classes, as he termed it, uh, lawyers and doctors, he knows people who are, have firearms and, you know, teachers and things like that. So, um, that you can't just, it's, you, you can't, I forget the term he used, but you can't just know what you're getting into. 
Yeah, you, and you actually wrote a little bit about this in the piece about when you went to meet him at the Conway Sportsman's Club, sort of some of these kind of fears came up in your mind about being so near a, a, a gun or, or a person holding a gun. Yeah, it was so we talked for a bit and then he um, he suggested that um, that we, you know, we shoot a few clays, I think is how um, he put it. Um, and then there's a really nice range there that's, you know, backs up into the woods and, and things like that. And it's a nice spot. Um, and I think the idea was uh, somebody who doesn't have a lot of experience with firearms like myself should experience them a bit more if I'm going to write about this, which I agree with and understand. But um, there were those, you know, there were those moments where, you know, I was just sort of there with somebody who's very comfortable with firearms, holding a rifle and stuff like that. And, you know, I didn't, where it's just sort of like, how, why am I, what am I doing here exactly? You know, how, how is this what I'm doing today? Um, and so I think, yeah, there was that sort of underlying, and, and then that was sort of reflected in a lot of what different people said about sort of um, people tend to sometimes view firearms or the gun issue from a, a place of, you know, caution or, or fear a lot. A theme that came up again and again with a lot of the people that you spoke with was a fear on their part with speaking with the the media. And I think a really great example is the anecdote uh, that you shared going into a a gun store um, for the first time. Can you talk a little bit about that in reporting this story? Sure, yeah. Um, that was something that, uh, that almost everybody I spoke to mentioned um, without me asking, what do you think of the media? It just sort of came up on its own. And um, there was definitely sort of a consistent caution and mistrust um, in the firearms community of how they are portrayed in the media, which I thought was really interesting and had to become part of the story. Um, one of the uh, one of the one gun well one of the gun shops that I went into was Guns Inc, which is down in uh, West Springfield, and um, there's also a shooting range right there that is attached to it, and it bills itself as the largest gun store in Western Massachusetts. So I figured it was a good one to go into. I contacted them about wanting to come down. Um, and yeah, it was just, a, it was a strange um, situation where they just seemed very uncomfortable with my presence there as a reporter, as a member of the media. Um, and um, somebody started the, the safety range officer who toured, gave me the tour, was great and happy to talk. Um, but then uh, somebody showed up sort of out of nowhere who was sort of shadowing me and um, was kind of making sure that I didn't take photos of people who were there or, uh, you know, what kind of questions was I asking the safety range officer and stuff like that. So um, that seemed like the most prominent example of, or the most stark example of uh, a, a place in the firearms community that other people said was a good idea to talk to. Uh, that didn't really want to talk or be asked questions, yeah, or be a part of the story. And even the well, and the, even the folks that you talked to kind of got into a look, few of the reasons why they're just skittish about the media. They said that they had been, you know, misquoted, for example. Yes, um, some people said they. A couple of people said they've been misquoted, or one in particular, um, uh, Walt Lamont down in Agawam, um, and then uh, a few of them also mentioned that. Um, a lot of stories in the media don't have the knowledge behind uh, firearms community or gun ownership as much as they would, especially when you get to the politics of or the legality of what does it take to own a firearm, 
um, or buy a gun and what that process is like getting a license and um, how many and when there is a crime is that with a legal gun or not a legally purchased gun or, or things like that one of those sort of uh, not necessarily stereotype defying but kind of one of those interesting um, points uh, in your story um, is that it's a lot of women now that are are uh, gun owners or, or that more women are becoming gun owners. That's a faster growing segment of the gun owning population. You spoke to a woman, a business owner in Baker, Jolene Guzzo. Um, did she talk to you about her, her reasoning behind being a gun owner and, and, um, and her uh, organization efforts? She, um, she grew up with guns and um, she grew up in the area. Her, her dad is still in the area and he's also uh, an um, an advocate of gun ownership, and um, and she said that they routinely will get together and, and go shooting and stuff like that. Um, she said that you know she's uh, she's a small business owner. She's in Wilbraham, owns a bakery in Wilbraham, and that she's there you know a lot on her own till late at night, and that it's really for her it's a it's a personal protection issue, and that came up with a lot of the people I talked to. Um, you also spoke to Kenzie Gillette, uh, who's a mental health counselor, mm-hmm. is also African-American and, and had um, tried to get a, a seat on the Springfield City Council mm-hmm. unsuccessfully. And he talked about being black and also being a, a gun owner. Yes, he did. And he was he did not grow up with guns, but again, um, sees it mostly as a personal protection issue. Um, and. That was a great conversation as well. He was uh, like Ken Wamet and um, the others I spoke with. Was we had a nice long conversation, and um, and it was good to get his perspective. He was saying that, you know, the firearms community is largely seen as rural and white, and that, um, you know, there's different movements like Black Guns Matter um, that are trying to change that perception. And um, said, you know, one of the quotes that I liked particularly that he said is he wished that the urban community thought that the Second Amendment belonged to them more, you know, more of an ownership in that way. Um, so, yeah, maybe that's another way that the community, the community is changing. You talked to a, a couple of gun control advocates as well as, as a part of this story, and one of the interesting things that I found was the kind of the dynamic of talking past one another in some ways. Like, you, you describe one conference where people spend a, a long time just trying to work out terms that they could use to mm-hmm. even talk to each other about this issue. Yeah, that was um, Kenzie Gillette about a year ago um, as a gun, as a firearms owner or advocate attended a conference with made up of firearms owners and gun control advocates. And he said that they spent the entire, it was about, I think he said it was a day long conference and the first half of it, like the whole morning was just around what terms can we use or what's in in order to even have a productive conversation, um, which I thought was interesting because uh, that was a lot of the issues that I ran into, just trying to talk with different people and using different terms such as firearms, gun, you know, gun advocate, somebody against guns, somebody against gun violence, violence committed with guns, things like that. Um, He was the only person that I spoke with that had had attended an event like that. so that was interesting. Even the broader topics, too, of what you're going to say about the gun issue. I mean, it seemed like um, a lot of the gun advocacy side was talking about Second Amendment rights 
and the Constitution, whereas gun control advocates were more concerned with gun violence issues and, you know, weren't as interested in talking about the Constitution. Yeah, and that might be where the potential conversation kind of runs out of steam or hits more of a brick wall. Um, Definitely the gun control folks that I talked to were really um, trying to think about this now in terms of like a public health crisis, um, which makes sense. Uh, and then the a lot of the, the firearms advocates and users that I talked to really felt strongly about the Second Amendment. One of them, Kirk Watley, even having it tattooed on his arm. Mm, yes. Um, so, you know, that idea of personal protection and, and not not wanting somebody to tell you that you don't have the right to protect yourself or your family or your business or whatever is is really central for the firearms owners that I spoke with, regardless. And although everybody, of course, wants there to be less violence with the gun. Yeah, and it seems, I mean, you spoke to Bishop Doug Fisher, um, part of Bishops United Against Gun Violence. Um, so it seems like there's, a, that there's almost kind of a religious connection for some some folks, too. I mean, he was he was on the gun... Uh, control side of things. Yeah, and he said specifically that he saw it as an extension of um, his religion and, you know, right up there with um, fighting homelessness and, you know, I don't know, part of a, a Christian mission. Um, that, And he said also that some people w- would ask him, you know, why that was one of the things that people challenged him on, like, why are you bringing your religion into this, the gun issue? But he thought it is a direct extension of um, the work that he does in the Episcopal Church. Um, spoke a little bit about mental health and violence, um, particularly with Kenzie uh, Gillette um, being a, a, a mental health counselor. Um, what, you know, what did folks talk about on, on, in terms of, of those things? It seemed like kind of a fraught conversation with that topic. Yeah, that was uh, something that a lot of people brought up on their own um, as well. Um, sometimes from a, from a statistics point of view, in terms of, you know, um, we can't look at or we shouldn't look there. They would say we shouldn't look at violence committed uh, with a gun and violence committed against yourself with a gun in the same way. That mm. there's um, that there's a, you know, suicide often has, has a big mental health component and that those should be counted differently, looked at differently, and treated differently. Um, it was great to talk to Kenzie Gillette about that as his, as he is a mental health counselor. And, and he he said that, you know, that's not an easy thing to do, to predict who's going to be violent or who's not. Um, there's a lot of gray area there. And that while, that while it would be good to, you know, know more about and, and use the mental health field in that way. It's not something that's um, so easily done at this point. One of the reasons that we're talking about this issue right now is that there are so many, that this is such a, a difficult thing for people to talk about uh, with uh, mass shootings, other types of gun violence on one side and personal rights and um, disputes on the other side. Um, and you know, the story ends where uh, Ken Womet is talking about how there are, there are events that happen where people could be talking about these things, where they could be getting together and talking about, but there hasn't really been a whole lot of outreach on either side. In talking to several people about this topic, do you see any way for people to come together and at least have conversations about it? Uh, I don't know. I'm hopeful that 
that they will or that they can. Um, I think one of the really accurate things that um, Ken Wamet said is that, you know, people today spend a lot of time in social circles with other people that reflect their own ideas. And, you know, maybe that's highlighted even more now in the age of social media and, you know, handheld devices and things like that, um, where a lot of feedback that people get on this issue is really even more from one side or the other. Um, so hopefully, hopefully there, there is some better understanding to come. Well, Pete Reddington, thanks a lot for coming in. Um, you wrote a loaded topic. Firearms community is active, but often hidden in the Valley. Thanks. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to visit us at valleyadvocate.com. Thank you.